And the other thing that's really funny is he custom made a net that um, it's not a net. It's a piece of wood with a string over it so that when you graze it, it'll act like a net, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It won't bounce. It, it, you'll have a little bit of give there. It's The rest of it's solid wood. So as opposed to normally hitting, you hit the net, it just stops, right? I'm just trying to imagine. You hit the net here, it comes right back at your face. <laughs> so that's weird. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I am David Baxter, your host, and I'm joined, as always, by Gary Voigt. How's it going, man? It's going good. Good to be back again. Been so long. Well, we've done so long. many of these episodes now that it's like- We just got to 10. I was I'm very saying. excited about that. Yeah. I cannot believe it's been 10 weeks because uh, we do one a week and that's a lot longer than I thought it had been. It's so, it feels less than that. I, I, feeling good, feeling like we're getting in the groove. All six people who listen to it every week are, are, are enjoying it. I think it's becoming our, our wives more fun and slightly yep. less bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're. I think you're aiming for the stars there. Um, no, I really. It, it's really fun to do. So, but it's it's, it's a good start. It's a good start. For it's sure. fun. Um, Just wanted to pat ourselves on the back for that ten episodes for <laughs> for the mighty ten episodes. Big milestone. Yeah, big big milestone. It's funny. We use Buzzsprout to publish this thing, and they are very good. I get emails, and they say, "Hey, you had." 20 people listen to your podcast. You've had 50 people. And I'm like, I know these numbers are tiny, tiny, but they still make you feel really good. Especially when the email <laughs> comes with like a nice, like celebratory trophy with confetti behind it and a gold yeah, like you medal. Like you're like, you've like, oh, done yeah, that's awesome. No one, I mean, the, the numbers are still so tiny. I, I mean, at some point, I guess they start going into real numbers, thousands and tens of thousands and whatever. As long as we're not but, going uh, into the negatives, we're good. So That's right. No funny. one's kicking us off yet. I will pay four ninety nine so a month for, for you to article, stop podcasting. <laughs> you're, well, at some point, you're so bad they just kick you yeah. off. Uh. Apple says you do not meet our requirements. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, this article I found in the New York Times, um, where they interviewed a bunch of really good big CEOs like Sundar Pichai from Google and um, the leader of PwC and. Miller Knoll, which I didn't know was the name of the company. Her Herman Miller, the chairs, um, Aeron chairs that everyone loves. I'm sitting in one right now. And um, all these people, and they were talking about, hey, what do you think about the future of the office? Now the pandemic has happened. Now that uh, remote work is a thing, what do you see this as the future? So I thought this was really an interesting point, and I thought it was worth talking yeah, about. Yeah, some of it, think, I yeah? read through it, and some of it seemed a little predictable. Some of it seemed like, yeah, that makes sense. But I was a little caught off guard by some, I guess the guy, uh, the guy who runs the, is it a hedge fund or is it just a financial institution in uh, Chicago? PwC, that is a big old consulting it's firm. It's a consulting firm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. His, his opinions, while well, yeah. valid and he made some decent points, but yeah, I wasn't expecting to read that from him. He believes everybody should be back in the office and he believed that the only way for younger employees to actually climb the ladder and get better at their job is through interacting with older, more experienced employees, meeting people face to face, shaking hands, talking about work in the lunchroom, being there on a set schedule. Like it was really buttoned up nine to five kind of, I guess, what I would consider an old school mentality of of going to the office every day type work. Well, see, I thought that was to me I, the meat and potatoes from my perspective because- Everyone's talking about, hey, remote work is the king. I don't want to come to the office anymore. And I understand that. And in full disclosure, Big Pixel is 
all U.S.-based workers, but we are been remote for years. We have not been together. I haven't met half of the people who work for me um, just because of the nature of our work. That's so we the other thing, dealt with yeah. these problems. The, the uh, industry can also dictate if that's necessary or not. For what he does, yeah. if you're meeting with people and you're talking about their finances and where they're going, they want to see you face-to-face and have like some sort of sense of trust on who you are as a person from meeting you and talking to you and building a relationship over time. That makes total sense. Yeah. So in that in mm-hmm. that situation, it's completely valid. In our world, I originally, in my head, when I started the company in 2013, I had the idea that I was going to have an office with a room full of devs and it was going to be awesome. And for lots of different reasons in, in our history, that did not work out. And we ended up using a lot of contractors and then we hired most of those contractors. Um and so I had to deal with this same, the questions everyone's asking now about because it's because of the pandemic, I was asking five years ago. And so I struggled with the exact same thing is how do you build a culture here? How do people really relate here when everybody is remote? Now, this was before Zoom was really usable. I mean, we had a ton of ones that were all very bad. Um, this was probably Zoom was, like the email and go to meeting phase of remote work. Yes, you had go to meeting, you had WebEx, you had all those, and they they were they functioned, but they were not nearly as easy as Zoom and and the generation we have now. And what I thought was really interesting, though, and you you nailed it, the guy from Price Waterhouse. I think he's a hundred percent right that a young person. So if I'm I'm forty years old, I've been doing my job for fifteen years, or thirty years old, and I've been doing it for five or ten years. I I know how to do my job, right? And I can do that isolated in my home office or whatever. But if I'm 23 and I'm straight out of school, I have no idea how to work. Not really. And I think you taking that purely, I think you're going to really hurt that person's ability to grow as a as a worker, as a manager, especially if they never get face-to-face with someone. Like that, that fresh generation right out of school that's coming out in this pandemic, I think they're going to be adversely affected in their careers compared to you know, I'm 40 and and this remote thing is fine. Yeah. Now it's also because that's what we grew up with and that's what we came through. And that just seemed to be the established way. Things seem to be changing. So I, I don't see that it would be impossible for them not to, I just see it would be difficult. It's definitely a challenge that's going to have to come up. And yeah, like you said, just being around an older employee as a mentor type role, just to kind of learn, even if it's not how to work or do your specific job, just how that company runs and what they expect of you. Cause not yeah, everything's well, going to be, you know, in a doc you could download or over a, a zoom meeting with an HR rep. You're going to have to learn the ins and outs. You know, maybe I'm, I'm an old guy, but to me, there's all the intangibles that you missed out on. Like your, your boss's boss's boss. You run into him or her at, in the elevator yeah, or in the lunchroom and you strike a conversation and you both find out that you're into coffee and you talk about that and you just built a relationship there that will serve, you know, on accident. This is all serendipity kind of stuff. Yeah. Where you went to the same college. And you miss that. And then next thing you yeah, know, you went, you're yeah, there's some, talking about the football team. You, yeah, you know, or you're both interested in the same sports team or whatever. And that starts a, a conversation. He's like, Hey, I like talking to you. Why don't you come help me with X project? Right. And your career path literally just changed. Absolutely. But I don't, I can't say I did, even when I run a remote company, I can't say that I don't miss that. Our devs, you know, struggling with a problem and they get up and they go to the lunchroom and they're getting water or whatever and they're noodling on it. And someone walks in and, hey, how's it going? Well, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. Hey, have you tried this? 
we've lost that. Yeah. Or, we just, oh, I've ran into that before. That. It's not someone they would have really expected to ask or have an answer for them. So it's not like they would reach out specifically to that person. But like mm-hmm. you said, it's just- Or they don't want to bother them, Right. Right. I don't want to bother you because- because now it's, it's, I'm reaching out to you and I'm interrupting your day. You already were off out of your desk. You're already taking a five minute break or 10 minute break or whatever. You're not bothering this person. You ran into them in the break room. I, I, I totally get that. But I, at the same time, all these other people who say, Hey, you don't have to come to work anymore. I totally get it. I, I, the younger generation is going to insist upon this now. I agree with all of that, but I will say that it still strikes me as wrong in my head. This is because to me, it's like my guys, I, I have a thing that if I am talking to someone, one of my teammates, and it's after five, my time, I feel guilty bothering them. It's built into me that the day is supposed to be over five or six, right? So if, I, if, if I'm pinging you at 630 at night because something blew up, I feel guilt. But these guys, a lot of our teammates, they don't start until 10 or they took three hours off because they had to go some, do something personal and they're fine working, right? They're they're fine working from till eight o'clock at night because they took a big chunk of the day. And that is still weird to me. The work day has changed for sure. So last week we mentioned... Um, the concept that I, I talk about a lot with my clients and stuff called the slog. And I wanted to dive into that a little deeper because I think it's um, it's an important subject and almost every business owner at some point in their career has gone through it. What is the slog? <laughs> well done. So uh, the slog is it, – it, the word literally means to work hard. But in my context, when I say it's time to go through the slog, it is the time – of a startup's life, it's early on, but it can be a very long period of time where the fun, exciting stuff is over. And now your job is to make the world care because I've, I've mentioned it before, but every startup I have ever, or, or even business owner, existing business, who's creating something new, anyone creating something new, everyone secretly believes that when they put, turn the lights on and it's all done, that suddenly people have been waiting for this thing and they're going to all show up. And they and every I tell that story to every startup and they say, oh, not me. I totally have a realistic expectation, but I've seen the light in their eyes. So here's the scenario where the slog begins. So when you come to us and you say, hey, I've got this idea. I'd like you to help me build it. Great. The first thing we do is we give you a design. And boy, the, the client just lights up, right? I can see for the first time, I can see my ideas in front of me. The vision is in my head and it's gorgeous. being brought to life. They're being brought to life. That's right. And they're all excited. I mean, this is, they are on cloud nine, the world, it couldn't be better. And then we start building and we start deploying and and weeks go by and we're building and building and they're excited because they're, again, they're seeing their dreams come alive. The building is being built and then we're finished and we've, we've got everything up and we go live. And boy, they're excited. The, the the bells are ringing in their head and they're all, oh, they're, they're just and beside themselves giddy like a five-year-old on Christmas. Nothing. And then no one cares. And that's right. And then, and everyone, and, and, and even the ones who say, oh yeah, I'm totally realistic about this. You can see the light in their eye die. Yeah, unfortunately. Because no one cares. And I tell them this a hundred times, but everyone, and, and I will be fair. When I started this podcast, you know, I had secret dreams that thousands of people were waiting to hear the dulcet tones coming out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> no one cared, right? No one cared. And and that's fine. But the slog is where startups go to die. 
And this is what I try to tell everybody about because I want you to know it's coming. I'm a, a very big believer is I want you to go through life with your eyes wide open. You can, you know, know that you're about to do something hard. Know that you're about to do something stupid. That's fine. It's your call. You're an adult, but just know that it's coming, right? The slog is that thing. So when, when everyone is done and no one cares and you're not making any money and you're, you know, your visits to your site are single digits, maybe double if you're exciting, have an exciting day. Your job is to keep going and to keep pushing and to keep making those phone calls. When everybody says, no, I'm not interested. When everybody is just annoyed with you, this is what the slog is. So in essence, and it can last for years. Well, it might seem like since this thing is done being built and it's there, it's mm -hmm. living, you might consider that, okay, so we're at the end stage of this. Everything is done. We're actually, that's basically the time where you have to start and you have to start day getting one. that, I guess, information out to the people that need to hear it and somehow well, build an audience or, or build some sort of. I want to back up with that because it's important. What I tell everybody in this, so many startups do this wrong including our clients, much to my chagrin, when they say it's time for me to start building this, I try to change the conversation and now it's time for you to market this. Like, I don't have anything to show. Yet yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> Your job is to sell the idea to people. Get on podcasts, do whatever, build a list, a, a mailing list, whatever it takes. Get your name out there and start talking from day one. Because even when you have something to show, no one cares. Build the, the hype. Get that process going while we are building. Otherwise, you're literally starting from a dead stop. And you've spent all this money. Yeah. And, and, and if you started earlier, you kind of have a rolling start. It's not a fast start, but it's at least rolling rather than just dead. Because then you can build the hype machine up and you can say, hey, this is coming. It's like, it's like we, there's a... a store that just opened uh, near us called Crumble. They make cookies. And six months ago, they put their sign up, said Crumble Cookies. My wife started stalking them <laughs> every week. Had she heard of the company before or was it brand new? Not until she saw the sign. She went and looked okay. them up and okay. said, oh my gosh, I must have these cookies. She'd never heard of them before. And she started stalking them for months and months and months. And they finally opened and it was a glorious day and we bought cookies. <laughs> but she, but that sign was such a statement to her, right? It was, it was coming. And that's the kind of thing, hey, this, we're going to solve your problem. Whatever your, in my wife's case, it was, she needed cookies, but it could be whatever your startup is all about. And that needs to start early. But the, the slog is where I want to make sure of is that I'm clear on if you're in it for the money, if you're, if you started this idea because you want a quick sell, which I get all the time, which to me is a yellow flag. And I tell them that, hey, if you're in this for the money, you're gonna, you're, you're not gonna make any money. You're gonna spend a lot and you're gonna lose it. Because that desire to make this big exit, to make your, you know, sell the business for millions and millions of dollars, even if that's true, even if that actually happens, that's years away, right? And in between now and that magical day is the slog. <laughs> and that slog is going to be brutal. It is draining. It is, it's no fun. And if you're in it for the money, that payday four years from now is not going to keep you going. You're going to bail. 
almost guaranteed. I've seen it. I've seen it many times that if you're in it for the passion, cause you want to solve this problem yeah. because you love what you do. The slog is still hard, but you're going to get through it. You're going to push through it. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you're going to keep going. That's, that's the, the nugget I want to get across. So I can consider this the, the same story that most startups who are successful and do end up maybe selling their business down the line, kind of similar backstory where they're all just passionate about solving that problem, getting it out into the world and trying to affect as many people as possible in a positive way, not in it for the quick fix. Well, it, it, it's, it, you reminded me. So one of my favorite podcasts, and if uh, you're listening to us, then you need to go and find How I Built This, uh, which is one of the best podcasts on startups on the planet. Um, they interview startup founders, the big ones, Airbnb, Kickstarter, whatever. Uh, there's tons of them and every one of them is great. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting about Kickstarter was they were talking about overnight successes and everybody's like, you know, Kickstarter is an overnight success. It's like, we were here eight years before we got any traction at all. Eight years where we were trying different things. We were pivoting. We were doing this, but we had the core idea and we wanted it to be successful. And so we kept at it. And so everybody's saying, oh, overnight success. No, eight years. And Airbnb is the same way. Now they have a, an amazing story where they sold cereal and crazy stuff. Get You got to listen to that podcast. But it is uh, it's but I'm guessing crazy. That- both of those companies, when they were in the slog, were actively trying to promote themselves and actively oh, trying to go that's out and the spread way their idea. The way out of the slog is exactly what you're saying. You've got to make people care because no one cares. If you build it, no one will come. It, it's not the field of dreams here. It's the opposite. Your job as the founder of the company is to be the greatest cheerleader on the planet and make people care. That's it. That's the only job. And when people tell me when we're starting, well, you know, I can't do tech. So you're really important to this equation. And I'm, no, no, no. Let me flip that on the head. At the end of the day, I am 10% of your success. If I build you the greatest app in the planet, I am 10% of your success. Your success is 90% on your shoulders, founder person. And you need to remember that and keep that in drumbeat. I'm a very small part of this, which leads us to a different discussion about how much you should give an inve- if you're if you're giving equity away to a developer, how much you should give away? Um, I will not dive into that now. Episode. Yeah, I'm not going to dive into that now, but I will say it's not as much as you think, um, because it, it sounds like they are critical in that they're the only people on the planet, and they're you know, and they'll sell themselves like that. But don't fall for it. We can talk about that in detail later. But the the slog so, is. It's, it's, it's slow, it's long, but the way out is to make people care. It's a, that's that simple. So now we're going to move into the metaverse and take a trip. I know you probably didn't think it was available for everybody yet, but if you go on YouTube, you can see Iceland has made it available to everybody. It's not the metaverse though. What is it? It's the, it's the Iceland verse. I loved this. Okay. So if you haven't seen this video, which we'll put in the show notes, cause you probably haven't, it is beautiful and perfectly done. That dude looks just like Mark Zuckerberg. He nailed the creeping factor that we, we talked about in previous weeks, but he nailed it. He nailed the mannerisms, the behavior, yeah. like the, just the background, the atmosphere, the little sarcastic. Comments. It did make me want to move to Iceland too. Oh my gosh. Oh, that, that place, place is, is gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, but yes, it, the video is, is 
this guy telling him that you don't need a metaverse. It's all right here. It's it's a wonderful video. Completely and immersive where water feels like water. It's 100% immersive. Um, I think they did another one. Well, the other thing I love, he called it uh, the Iceland worse. Work, like yeah. It wasn't a V, it was a W. Um, he did that once and I'm like, that had to have been on purpose. But they did another one where you could go to a website and record yourself screaming like your angry scream and they would broadcast it over loudspeakers and make it echo in the mountains. Wow. Just they in did the middle that of nowhere. Ago. Yeah. Just in the middle. I mean, cause it's just like, you know, just rock out there. It's just volcanic volcanoes. And, um, it was, uh, there was another one of these ad campaigns. I just, they, they've got their finger on the pulse. Their tourism people are spot on with. Yeah. This has to be done by the, the board of tourism and just, they even say in this that they don't really take themselves so, you know, seriously and they're pretty easygoing, but man, it's perfectly timed, perfectly done. Yeah. Very well done. It's worth, and, it's yeah, worth it worked. checking out. I want to go to Iceland. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's weird though. I had always been told that Iceland was poorly named. Iceland and Greenland had their names reversed because Iceland is actually well, covered in green and Greenland is actually covered in ice. But those pictures, everything was ice. So now I'm just confused. So now I need to go to both just to make sure. I knew a guy from Reykjavik when I was- Reykjavik. Uh, You're saying Reykjavik, it wrong. Reykjavik, Reykjavik. 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 Okay. Reykjavik. I'm yeah. sure. He I only know that from the hard rock. One. I had but, a t-shirt from there. Exactly what you imagine. It was a, a kid I used to surf with, actually. Tall, blonde kid, blue eyes. Looks like he's from, I guess, a candy box from Switzerland or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just stereotypical. His name was Joe. No accent or anything. I'm like, so did you grow up here? Like, this is when I first met him. We worked together. He's like, no, I'm actually from Iceland. I'm like, whoa, if there's people there? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just polar bears? What What in the world? And the way he explained it to me, uh, apparently the city life is insane. Almost like New York City and LA combined. The country is like the best vacation you'll ever take to get away from things. He said, everybody is super nice and from what he was describing, I'd really like to go visit. Well, the one thing I've heard, and again, sounds sounds like an ad for Iceland, and yeah. yet neither of us know what we're talking oh, about. Oh, that means their video worked. <laughs> that video worked, right? We're talking about it on our little podcast. One thing I've heard about their nightlife is because they have so many months where there's no darkness. Sun? Oh, well, and, and vice versa. Like they'll, they, you know, they have six months that it's all sun, and six months where there's no sun, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, their parties go into like three, four in the morning because no one's tired because there's it's sunny out. It's it's very strange. Um, but I, I definitely think that uh, they nailed the metaverse thing to bring it back. I'm, I'm bringing it back full circle here to because uh, we've been talking about the metaverse so much. And nowadays, I think everyone is talking about the metaverse. It is getting to the point where it's you. it almost makes me wonder if they all got together and decided that's the time. Uh, Now's the, the time. time We've been wanting to do this yeah. for so long. Go but for in it. Iceland, in Iceland, people have legs. They have legs in them. They have a much yeah. better. They're Iceland verse. There are legs. That's right. They're not the Microsoft Iceland verse. On that note, I think uh, we're going to take our legs and walk out of here. Did you like yeah, that? We didn't have any questions, but we no still questions. want to remind we are, you. We are working on YouTube because I think that's going to be a way to get more comments because it's easier than sending an email. But if you do want to send an email, uh, feel free to do it. 
uh, hello at thebigpixel.net will get to us and we will read them and we will hopefully be able to use them on the air and um, answer your questions. And here's uh, to the next 10 episodes. That's Ooh. right. We're going to start on number 11. This is number 11. What am I saying? I don't even know. Yep. This is number 11. All right. I'm done. Content creators. We're co- <laughs> Content creators unite. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys.